Hello and welcome to episode 21 of Late Night Linux Extra. I'm Joe and this is another recording from one of our community meetups. Thank you everyone who's been coming to those, they've been great. Looks like we'll be doing those every other Friday, I think we've settled on that now. But do keep an eye on latenightlinux.com slash mumble for details. And thank you everyone who supports us on PayPal and Patreon, we really do appreciate that. You can learn more about that at latenightlinux.com slash support. And remember, for $5 or more per month on Patreon, you can get an advert-free RSS feed. So let's get straight on with the question that I had for everyone. Is it possible to live with a free software-only phone, or is that just a pipe dream? I know Phelim does it, and he likes the misery, as I like to say, but has anyone else had a go at it? I've got a Nook HD, which is a Android-based tablet that Barnes & Noble released, and I got it cheaply ages ago with the immediate intention of flashing a custom ROM, but it's really old now. Like it's got, I think half a gig of RAM and a very weak dual core SOC. So I tried to run just a build of AOSP. So not even like lineage or anything, just purely quite a clean version of Android without Google play services. But I found myself frustrated repeatedly. I, I kept getting APKs for occasional things. And then, yeah, you'd realize that some of it was integrated into Google Play services. So that app just would refuse to load. Some of the AppDroid alternatives are fantastic, but there's just big holes in the functionality. Like I said before, like there isn't a super reliable Samba service, certainly not compared to, I use FX, which is a proprietary file explorer app that sort of replaced ES File Explorer. And that has, if you pay like a quid for the license, it has an amazing set of network file explorer type integration. And you just can't get that without sideloading an APK um, if you're not running Google Play services. And yeah, I've got a Moto G3 I use as an MP3 player. And that's fine because I can put AntennaPod, VLC, uh, and a few other apps on, but I couldn't daily drive it as my phone. There's too much that like google maps for example i have a love-hate relationship with because i've tried a few of the alternatives and they're quite good but there's nothing quite as good (laughs) as google maps yeah but vlc you mentioned that's pretty good with samba like obviously only for audio and video files yeah that's good but it's just when you want to start using it just generally for everything that's on the share right then it starts to fall down. And in F-Droid, when you search, there's a pretty dormant plugin for the official AOSP files app, file browser. And there's a couple of others. But that's the problem I find with F-Droid as well a bit. If you know what you're looking for, it's great. But if you don't and you're browsing, it's actually quite hard. Unlike the Play Store, which has a summary, reviews, and lots of information, it's pretty sparse, the description of each app in comparison. Yeah, it's almost like you have to find it elsewhere on forums or Reddit or something like that and then know exactly what you're looking for and then search for the name of that app that you want. Exactly, exactly that. They did a big sort of brush up of the interface, I seem to recall, fairly recently and it did improve navigability and you can add like third-party repos and stuff. But yeah, it's just, it's not particularly curated, I guess, which is kind of the point, but... I'd love to hear more from Phelim about like the concessions that he 
he makes because it feels like there's so many that I would have to make to literally have no play services at all. He has to give up his life and all his friends. Yeah, that's it. He just sits at his desktop all day, is the bottom line, and just talks to people that way. And I think his wife uh, deals with anyone who needs to use WhatsApp or proprietary stuff. And the, the argument that Phelan has made many times is that you don't know what you're missing. He's never had a phone with Google stuff on it. And so he's only ever used Lineage or, well, Cyanogen Mod before it. And so like, he doesn't want to give it a go because then he'll become dependent on those apps and won't be able to go back. And it doesn't matter how great people tell him certain apps are, he just, he just won't cross that line. Okay, this episode is sponsored by Linode. Go to linode.com slash late night Linux to get started with $100 free credit and 60 days to use it. Linode offers cloud computing solutions in data centers all over the world. Whether it's scalable VMs with a choice of major distros or one-click apps and stacks, dedicated CPU and high RAM instances, block and object storage, or cloud firewalls and DDoS protection, Linode has everything you need for your personal projects right up to managed enterprise infrastructure. I recently moved our website over to Linode and it was really straightforward. And when I needed a mumble server for our community meetups, spinning up a new VM for that was an absolute breeze. Everything's been running flawlessly since I set it up, and I love the peace of mind I get from the automatic backups. So go to linode.com slash late night Linux, get your $100 credit, and check out Linode's great cloud hosting services and first class always available support. That's linode.com slash late night Linux. I, two years ago, started an xCloud server and started converting over to uh, a degoogled OS and I originally was using Lineage OS with MicroG for all of the benefits that came with it, but um, have recently left that. I, but I think that that's also possible because of the pandemic and because I'm at my desktop all the time. So banking isn't an issue while I'm on the run. Um, I don't have that issue with 2FA. I can do 2FA with Bitboard and with a private repo through Fdroid and get the the updates that I need, or I'm sorry, with my passwords, at least with Bitwarden. And then, and then on top of that, I can use Aegis for 2FA, which I also grab from Fdroid. Recently, it hasn't been much of an issue. And to talk about the the maps part of it, I actually just kind of stopped using a map application and went back to trying to find my way, <laughs> which sounds ludicrous, but uh, but it's been it's been interesting and also just fine. But it, it's also you know a privileged position because I don't have to travel right now at all. Really, I pretty much just stay home and go to the grocery, and that's about it. Actually, with maps, I I really like the OSM and OpenStreetMap Android. It's an OpenStreetMap. Uh, Android app, I actually like it a lot, lot better than Google Maps because I can just download ahead what I need need to and I will just use it. For example, it's like I tend to use a map when I'm in another city or stuff like that and I don't know if I have um, mobile data when I'm in another city. Yeah, you can do that with Google Maps now as well, but um, it is nice feature, definitely. My wife uses that because she doesn't have much data with her phone so uh I, I, it might be that she's there's certainly something that she got i think off f-droid i think it's uh osm and or whatever um and yeah that is a nice feature and i think you can you might even be able to do turn by turn directions with it as well but then with google maps it's they've got like the the stuff that they've 
taken from ways like with the traffic and speed cameras stuff like that like he's very good google maps it's the extra cherries that i like because i drive as well using google maps and i tried i used copilot which is also proprietary for a while but most of the stuff got baked into google maps and then google maps is just updated more rapidly so yeah that that would be the thing i miss but every time i have a thought like i recently got a new phone and i spent about three to four weeks thinking "Ah, i might just get an iphone because i'm starting to get a little bit fed up with pissing about with phones because (laughs) it's getting harder to do like this week again my lloyd's bank app detected root even though i've got magisk and i've done all of the steps i've done the user agent i've made it look like a pixel 4 i've done everything and yet still something that they're detecting is not being circumvented and I, the developer of magis came out a while ago and said like in a github issue i don't know how much longer i can sustain this because google clearly probably doesn't want this to be available and so yeah the iphone se i was like all right i'll just jack it in and get it or the other thing was, was like, should I just go dumb phone in a hotspot and just have a long battery life laptop that I just get out on the road? And because of the pandemic, I haven't been on the road anywhere near as much, but that does cross my mind a lot. I, I, I wonder what's going to happen with Fuchsia as well. I'm interested in the next Google I.O. because is it just going to be for IoT or are they going to do an, an Apple and get a bit more focused and be like, actually now we're going to run a more in-house type OS that is tightly controlled. And it's interesting, but I do sometimes think, yeah, I'm just going to toss the smartphone into the sea and, <laughs> and try and live without it. Like the iPhone, it's one of the things like, I will never go there because I think like, it's not my own. It's I'm paying money for a borrow because I, I cannot decide what happens with the OS. I cannot sideload apps and they decide to push updates and slow your phone that that had been done it's not much more secure as android because for example they decided not to use end-to-end encryption to the for the icloud because of the american government want want them not to the privacy stuff is not better than google actually well the argument against that with apple right is that Um, And this is what Chris from Jupiter Broadcasting, he always says this, right, that you have to look at the motivations of the company who's making the operating system. Google wants to profile you, get as much data about you as possible so that they can then build a profile and sell you ads. Apple, what's their business model? They want to sell you expensive phones that you replace every couple of years and they want to you know, sell some services as well, like, you know, um, their their music and fitness and all the rest of it. They want to sell you really expensive devices. That's their core business model. And so it's that different business model that makes you think, well, okay, yes, it is proprietary. It is locked down. You can't sideload apps. They did do that update that slowed down phones with a knackered old battery or whatever. But What's their motivation? Their motivation is for you to buy phones from them as often as possible, which is it's quite a pure business model, isn't it? Like It's just sell expensive stuff, whereas Google's business model is much more complex than that. And that's why, you know, as we've talked about, if you can somehow get away with not using any Google apps and just use the open source version of the operating system that Google 
has created, well, that's all well and good, but it's very difficult to do that. And so if you're going to hook Google into that operating system, whether it is via MicroG and, you know, only slightly or installing OpenG apps Pico like I do, at that point, you've got Google Play services and all the rest of that, then it may as well just be a pixel or whatever. And so I look at it that way, like they are getting a lot of data about everything I do on my phone with this proprietary bullshit layer that's in there. Whereas with an iPhone, do Apple really care about that? Or do they only care about selling me a thousand pound phone in two years? Okay, this episode is sponsored by CBT Nuggets, training for IT professionals or anyone looking to build IT skills. Go to cbtnuggets.com slash late night Linux and sign up for a seven day free trial. I've just started my learning journey with CBT Nuggets, but I've already picked up tons of knowledge from the short and manageable videos in the Docker and Network Fundamentals courses. Their in-house trainers are active and certified IT professionals who add around 40 hours of new training to the course catalogue each week, so you can always stay current and up-to-date. So start your free 7-day trial today at cbtnuggets.com slash late-night-linux. It includes unlimited access to all course materials, including virtual labs. That's cbtnuggets.com slash late-night-linux. I think um, open source is going to get better because they're releasing open hardware phones now, and that seems to have generated a lot of excitement, and a lot of Linux OSs are coming along pretty quickly, I think. Well, yeah, that's the other side of this thing, right, is you've got stuff like the Pine phone, um, and uh, you know various others that are coming along now, which are designed to run proper Linux, like GNU slash Linux, not Android or something Android based. And they are slowly getting there. And you've got Fosh and um, KDE um, Plasma, and is it Lorem or something? The uh, the Ubuntu Touch one. You've got a lot of different options now. They are getting there, but they do feel like. I don't know, I I don't think I could see myself using that as my only phone for a long time. They're so far behind that by the time they catch up to where we are now, it'll be another five or ten years and things that have massively progressed on the Android and iOS side of things. And you are lacking the applications as well. So you talk about banking apps not working on some lineage versions, but uh, you, you just don't get the apps on, on the Pine phone currently, like you don't get them anywhere else. Yeah. I think the important thing we need to work on first for that is Android app emulation, because you aren't going to get most of the apps people want to use on your free and open source platforms. So what we need to work on is some kind of Android app emulation layer. Like I think UB ports has something. Yeah, it's called Anbox, which um, was originally Canonical's development, uh, I think. I think they originally developed it. But um, yeah, Anbox in theory, can allow you to use Android applications on proper Linux. But again, that isn't fully featured. And I think you're going to really struggle with complex banking apps and stuff. I presume you'd still have the same problem with not having the, the Google backend stuff in there as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're going to struggle with that as well. But I, I think it's more for like the F-Droid side of things, really. Um, and it's, some apps will work. I mean, I've I have sideloaded proprietary APKs onto lineage builds with no Google services just to see what would work and what wouldn't. And I've had a surprising amount of success. There's just certain features like push notifications and whatnot that don't work. But um, yeah, I, mean, I don't think that Anbox is 
necessarily going to get it daily driver ready. I think it's going to help, but it depends what what you need out of a phone, right? Like some people use a dumb phone and just have a laptop all the time. And especially in this day and age, right now, as we sit here and record this, I very seldom leave the house. And so, you know, I could probably get away with a uh, Pine phone or whatever, but I just don't want to, I guess is the uh, bottom line. I want to have a full featured phone. I have a Braveheart edition Pine phone and uh, I haven't touched it in probably three months because it just is, I mean, I'm echoing everything that you said. It's just not there yet. You know, occasionally if I'm feeling a little frisky, I'll, I'll boot it up and put a new OS on it or see what the latest is. But, you know, it just hasn't quite gotten there yet for me. Same for me. Mine's, I can see it now sitting there with no battery in it. And yeah, it's, it, I haven't used it for ages. I keep meaning to, um, get around to it and, and check out what the latest state is. You know, I see little clips on Twitter and, you know, read articles about various developments and things do seem to be moving along, but I don't think we are anywhere near daily driver yet, but I should probably give it a proper go. I got off Pine Phone around Christmas time and, and I kind of update it every other day or so and see what's going next. Um, it's still really hard to use because a lot of the apps, I'm using the Plasma edition, and a lot of the apps don't resize properly or they you can't get the keyboard to engage. So it's, it's still really, really problematic. And I had hoped I might actually start um, sort of doing the odd contribution to it, but I, I just haven't found the time to do so yet. But um, it's, it's, a, it's so far to go. Yeah, whereas I think if you were to, like, there's the OnePlus One, um, I think the 3 and 3T as well are officially supported by Ubuntu Touch, and the OnePlus One is really well supported, and you can pick those up pretty cheap, and that is a great phone. Like, that was the, my first giant phone, like, my first, like, whatever it is, five and a half inch, whatever, and I've got that here as well. I broke it, so the Wi-Fi is really terrible. I broke the antenna off, and I, you can't reattach it which is really annoying that I was trying to change the battery in it. But anyway, that I think you could use as like a, I think you'd have to have an, or I would have to have an Android phone as well, but I think I could force myself to use that as like my mostly main phone with Ubuntu Touch. Because I think of all of the Linux smartphone systems and combinations, I think that that is the most mature and the best bet that you're going to have if you want like a proper Linux smartphone. Yeah, I've got it on um, a Nexus 5, and it, it, I mean, it does work. All those things about not being able to get the keyboard and, and the sizing, they're, they're all fixed, and it's got a lot of apps which were written to work on the phone, so it is pretty good, and I'm tempted to try and put it on the, the Pine phone as well. It's probably my next test. <laughs> 